Welcome to Through the Woods Podcast. I am Kyle Woods, your host. And today we are talking with Matt C. Willis, who is a partner with uh, Wizard of Ads. And today's discussion actually is a, is a good one because with all the things that are going on in the world with all the different portals of people being able to market and brand their product, um, we are going to focus on that today. And actually, I was looking up statistic really quick, and you can verify this, but it says on average, a company will only spend about 5% of its budget to influence customers to buy from them, which kind of seems like that's just a really small percentage. Um, and Matt's going to help us answer that question if that is enough. And he's also going to help address other questions concerning branding and marketing. So welcome, Matt, to the program. Thank you so much, Kyle. Pleasure being with you. Been looking forward to this for some time. Yeah, Matt and I uh, met like almost two months ago, and and our schedules were just kind of going back and forth. We just hadn't had a chance to hook up, and then everybody had a busy summer. But now that we're back in fall, and we know that people are out there listening to podcasts again, we want to get back going. And we thought there was no better person to to start the lineup all over all over again, but to bring Matt on. So appreciate you, my friend. Um, before we really get into the whole topic today, I I always feel it's important that you know we just kind of learn about who the person is, and uh, it, there's no better way than just kind of start. You know, Matt, where you came from, um, where you grew up. And if it was here, or if it wasn't here, and how you found your way here, and and feel free to share any of your personal things. Um, I won't dig too deep into it. We'll just let you go as you far. Know, as You know, I'm want. an open book, my friend. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, grew up in a fairly large family, uh, suburbs of Portland, Oregon. Got out of there as quickly as I could at the age of 18. Went to school in Los Angeles. Actually, majored in psychology. Uh, I knew that I had a deep passion for helping other people reach their full potential. So I thought I wanted to be a clinical therapist. Uh, Majored in psychology, graduated, uh, and then my wife and I got married and we moved out to Raleigh, North Carolina where my career really started. Up until then, it was, you know, typical high school, college type jobs. Uh, From there, I realized, hey, I'm glad I got this degree in psychology, even though most lists of most worthless degrees out there put psychology somewhere on that top 10 worst list, but it did scratch the itch. And as I went into it, what would be a nine year career in sales and strategizing with business owners and executives, it ended up being actually very helpful, uh, understanding what motivates people, what influences people, what makes people tick also what frustrates people and how can we use whether it's our software to help solve problems for them. Great. Then how'd you get to Boise then? We, my wife and I are trying to start a family and wanted to be closer to her family without being back in Oregon. Uh, So her family lives in central Oregon. And so Boise is about five and a half hour drive as opposed to a five and a half hour flight. But the opportunity to be outside all summer without oppressive humidity, like in Raleigh, North Carolina, was also very alluring. 
<laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad that you made it to uh, the Treasure Valley, and it's great to have it's you here. It's such and, a blessing. And I will uh, I, I joke about this a little bit because um, I don't know if you're a young boy that the first thought of your mind is, is geez, I really want to get into marketing and branding. That's just what I'm all about. Nope. You know, same thing with my industry. You know, you're not sitting around going, you know, at age five when you're playing in the sandbox, you go, I hope I can be an insurance broker one day. So tell me, how, how did this even come about that this wasn't an exciting field for you to be in? I swore up and down I would never go into sales or marketing, even from a young age. And part of that was because my father was in sales and marketing, and I wanted to chart my own course. But then when I graduated college, realized I really don't want to be a clinical psychologist, and... I'm tired of getting paid based on how many hours I worked. I would rather want to be paid for the value I contribute. I had my father's voice in the back of my head from childhood saying, if you want to get paid what based on the value you bring, either start a business or work in sales. And so moved out to Raleigh and my wife and I, my wife on my behalf, applied for all of the sales jobs that we could possibly find with no frame of reference as to what good sales jobs versus bad sales jobs, good companies, bad companies. We just applied to absolutely everything. And having that opportunity took me from assuming that I would, to be honest, never amount to anything. I was a subpar student. I hated classes. Uh, and so I kind of always assumed, okay, if the average American at the time was making 55000 a year, I'll be lucky if I make that. And within two years in sales, I was crushing that number. And again, it wasn't anything that I did. I kind of just stumbled into it. It's all by the grace of God and the perseverance of my wife. And uh, that led me into a, from, you know, work in sales, you typically start out working with small businesses. And then as you prove yourself, to the company that you can crush it with small businesses. They graduate you to working larger businesses because the larger the business that you're working with, it goes from more transactional selling to strategizing, to consulting. And so by the conclusion of those nine years working in that world, I was working with some of the Fortune 500 companies on you know how to bring products to market. And it's like, it was the craziest thing because again, Going back to childhood, I never really thought that I would have anything to offer anyone. So that leads me to the question then, how did you come about with your partnership with uh, uh, Wizard of Ads? How did that come around? Had a conversation with one and of these. And then who is Wizard of Ads as well. Yeah. yeah. So had a conversation with a SVP, Senior Vice President, that I had been connected with. And... In a moment of vulnerability, he shared something with me. And this was about four months before I ended up accepting the partnership role. Uh, he shared with me, Matt, I've been doing this for 30 years. I know executives that are making you know tens of millions of dollars a year. I've been in this game. I don't actually know if I have any friends. And he went on to say, I don't know if the people in my network are in my network because they genuinely care about me or because they think they'll probably or possibly need something from me down the road. 
And that broke my heart. Again, coming uh, from a place of I wanted to be a psychologist to help people reach their full potential and caring deeply about people. My strengths finder personality assessment says empathy is like right up there in the top two. And hearing like, is this really what I'm trying to work toward? And so around that time, uh, the head of Wizard of Ads, Roy H. Williams, uh, he had started the firm Wizard of Ads back 25 years ago. And I had known it from a distance because, again, my father was in that world. Um, in a sense, he mentored my father from a distance via his three uh, business book of the year, New York Times bestseller, like through his resources that he put out. And so I was vaguely familiar with them. But even back around that the time of that conversation, I had still been at a place where I was adamantly against going into marketing because of the horror stories that I've seen. Being in a position where I was working with a software company, making recommendations on how businesses can go to market and strategize and the psychology behind it. Like, I loved that. But then I would see these marketing firms that they were contracted with who were giving not helpful advice. And in my tenure focused on marketing, what I'm finding is there tends to be two pools of marketers. There's a shocking amount of malicious marketers out there. And they do things, for example, entice the business owners to give them unlimited and exclusive access to their Google Ads account. So the business owner can't keep track of, are they actually investing the money into marketing or are they pocketing it? I have seen a significant amount of maliciousness, which for myself, who gets really empathetic toward people that I care about and any of the business owners and executives that I work with over a period of time, I begin caring about. And so my heart was still just very against pursuing marketing because for me, just like with a lot of business owners, it felt like, why would I go work for the equivalent, the business world equivalent of a used car dealer? The other pool of marketers from my experience tend to be marketers who have are well-intended, but have bought into the marketing information that other marketing firms like Google have put out. And it's not that it's completely wrong, but it's that it's not the most efficient. We have to remember, Google is a marketing company. When they're making recommendations to other marketers and to business owners who are using their uh, ad services, your success as a business owner is about the tertiary, if not whatever comes after that priority for them. Their primary goal is to make money off of you. Now, I'm a huge fan of Google, and I think that there's absolutely a time and a place, and I recommend it a lot. However, that shouldn't be the Bible as it pertains to marketing strategy. And at best, Google offers marketing tactics and not holistic strategy. And I think as I work with business owners, that's one thing that I've begun to realize is there's 
a, really a lack of education behind what actually is marketing. If you don't understand what is marketing, you can't understand what the importance of it is. And businesses are crumbling because of a lack of understanding. Well, I think we need to hit that. Like, what is marketing? Um, before we jump to that, I, I just, it made me think. So I'm impressed. Like, I, I took uh, marketing classes in college, and I, I was under the same impression where I'm like, oh, this is not for me. I can't believe it. Uh, but the one story that I remember out of everything, and I mean, this is over 30 years ago, is the Nordstrom story about the Levi pants. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if everybody got taught that story. I just thought that was an amazing story because it, it, it basically took one specific brand of Levi and said, here's the price at Walmart, here's the price at Sears, and here's the price at Nordstrom. Why are they different prices? And why is one way more than the other? And it was all about the branding and the marketing and that whole experience, which there's, it's a long story to it, but I don't want to tell the story because that's not what we're here for. We're here, we're here to hear from you. So I guess the first thing is, is let, let's just uh, break down marketing. Like yeah. just what is it? And your story will tie into my definition of marketing, which is any engagement that a customer or potential customer has with your brand is marketing. So it's not just about what products are you selling, though that's part of it. It's not just about what channels are you marketing on. Sure, that's obviously part of marketing, but it's also what do your customer support people say when they answer the phone? What do your greeters say when they greet the potential customer? How do you decide what metro to go into next? What product line to expand into? Whether to go from e-commerce to brick and mortar or vice versa? All of this factors in is all part of marketing. And so marketing strategy, it's imperative that that is set from the top down. It requires connecting with the business owner, the C-suite to understand, okay, what is the identity of this business? Where are they trying to go? Where is the opportunity? And now let's get all areas of our business to start rowing in the same direction. Most business owners that I talk with, they think in terms of tactics. So I break it down for them as tasks, tactics, and strategies. So on the bottom level, there's tasks, right? Tasks are things that, for example, you would hire an intern to do. So, hey, write a social media post on a daily basis, please. That's a task. Okay, but what about deciding which social media platforms are worth investing time and therefore capital into? That's a tactical question. That's something that, whether it's social media companies, Google, they'll give you a level of recommendation. I'm not saying it's unbiased direction, but they'll give you some level of direction. But both of those are completely contingent on having a strong company marketing strategy. Where are we trying to go with this business? If we don't know, all we're doing is sporadic marketing that's never going to build any meaningful momentum. So with a lot of what you're talking about, I mean, what would be the difference uh, between me as a business that offers a service as opposed to me as a business that offers a product? Like, where, where are those avenues? If I'm two different type of companies, where would I focus or how would I focus? Does that make sense? Like if, if I'm a if I'm a company that sells a service, mm -hmm. so let's just say more like maybe I'm an HVAC 
company mm-hmm. or I'm a plumbing company or something like that. And you hear a lot of the advertisement mm-hmm. on the radios here and TVs and things like that. Um, is that the best platform? Is that the way that you connect with your customers? Like, what do I do if I sell a service? Like, kind of talk to me through your tactic strategies on that. So the tactics and the tasks are all going to follow fall from the strategy. So there's an infinite number of factors that go in there. Now, one thing that a lot of people forget is there's a marketing funnel. So up at the top is a level of awareness. What percentage of the total addressable market has some level of awareness that you exist? And then you want to move them through the funnel of not only that you exist, but that you can accomplish something for them. You can contribute value to them. Not only that, there are a lot of competitors out there who do the exact same thing. So a part of what you want to do in that funnel is how do you become significant to a potential buyer? And that's one of the things that so many business owners or marketers forget. How do you become significant? And then at the bottom of the funnel is where sales happens. That's the uh, how do you actually transact with a potential customer. Now, there's going to be different tried and true methods for marketing depending on where a potential customer is in that funnel. So the name of the game tends to be for top of funnel awareness, how can we reach the most people effectively for the lowest cost? So we have a bent toward mass media. Now, a lot of people will say mass media is dead. Trust me, I've been there. I've worked with a number of e-commerce businesses and mass media, traditional media is completely like that's so yesteryear. However, one of the challenges that so many marketers face is again, when they get their data from Google, obviously Google wants you to spend money digitally because one way or another, they're getting money from it. What we have found through Nielsen's ratings, which effectively what they did was they actually recorded people who are willing participants to track audio signals while they're going about their day-to-day life. And what they found was that via mass media, you can actually read, reach about 50% of any given market between the ages of 18 and 65. Now, One thing that mass media is significantly better at than really any digital uh, channel for marketing is actually building that connection, becoming meaningful. Anyone can put up a Google ad saying, hey, sign up with me. I'm a service-based business and can do what you're doing. People don't necessarily, like that's table stakes. But how are you going to convince them per your service comment that when an HVAC technician comes in, that you have some level of values that they'll connect with, such as, hey, our technicians won't creep you the hell out when they come and visit your house. Or, hey, we're actually going to show up on time. Now, the challenge is when you say things directly, it's kind of like a used car dealer who says, you can trust me. And there's an element of is when you say something about yourself directly, it loses all matter of credibility. And that's where the message is so imperative. If we can craft a message that conveys the reality of who a business and a business owner is, it can be wildly effective, not only for initial customers, but 
returning customers because guess what? We're marketing based on who the company actually is instead of this facade of who they aspire to be, but we'll never be able to live up to. Because so often business owners will say, hey, I have the best quality product. It's like, maybe. What happens if it breaks within the warranty period or within the time period that people expect? They're disappointed. What happens if your technician shows up five minutes late when you say that we're always on time? What happens when you say, we always have a smile on our face and someone just lost someone in their family and they're really struggling. When you set these thresholds of expectations in the customers and you say it directly, you have nowhere to go but down in the perception of the customer, which is not the best way to get referrals is through disappointment. And so part of crafting a compelling message, which again is typically best conveyed over mass media because you actually have time and attention to be able to convey it, is we want to use that time to build relationships to help people realize, hey, there's a person behind this business. We have things that we care about. And if you care about those things too, we're happy to serve you. Well, that brings up a point. So if I'm a business mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, you, you, we're talking a lot about digital because you're going to mm -hmm. have either uh, Google reviews or yep. other type of reviews. And uh, we were in a situation that uh, we had overpromised, and then all of a sudden, or people are just vindictive, and they have they start writing these poor reviews. Can you come in and help a business turn that around, or is there a way to save that to get it going in the right direction again through a marketing platform? Marketing, whether it's myself or anyone else, cannot fix a failing business. So. If the problem that is creating those bad Google reviews is endemic, no, there's nothing I or anyone else can do. Marketing is going to expedite the inevitable. We can strategize on how to fix things. But frankly, if a business owner is not willing to own up to mistakes, fix the problems, we frankly don't want to work with them. There are a lot of marketing firms out there that will. Most marketing firms will take any money from anyone who fogs up a mirror. That's not how we do business. We, Our priority is figuring out, okay, is this business owner someone of integrity? Now, if it's just a snafu issue, like someone promises, hey, we're going to have a live training, uh, live streaming at 6 p.m. and there's a blackout in the city and it doesn't happen. Absolutely, that's absolutely something that can be navigated through. But there's a big difference between endemic issue and a temporary issue and the core uh, thing at stake with an endemic issue is, is the business owner willing to own up to the issue and do what it takes to resolve it? Because we can help figure out how to resolve it. But if they are not willing to, we don't want to work with them. So that kind of leads to the question too then is like one of your biggest things I think I've heard you say is that it's how do you connect with your customer? So from a relational standpoint, how do they how do you do that i mean with all the things that are going on all uh, it's like today's mass media is like walking into a candy store right mm -hmm. there's just so many bright colors there's just so many things so how do you get people to stop at your specific yeah. marketing and say that this this relates to me this is this is yeah. the company i want to work with or this is the this is the company i want to buy from 
That's a phenomenal question. Do you remember a few years back when I forget what I think it was a pest control company bought an ad during the Super Bowl and had roaches running across the screen and freaked everyone out? You remember that? I don't. Okay. So they did that and then they got a couple of lawsuits because people were, you know, throwing stuff at the TV uh-huh. and breaking them. And it's the same kind of thing if you were to have some kind of an ad which started with screeching car tires. Now, a lot of people who listen to mass media, like the radio, listen in the car. That's not a good idea. Why? Because you have to, marketing is really about two things. It's about awareness and it's about what uh, value are you connecting to that. So yes, you are getting their attention, you're getting awareness, but you're leaving a bad taste in their mouth. They're not going to want to do business with you. So what we have found is we'll use the term either entertainment or seduction because what you need to do is you need to recognize nobody cares about your business until they do so how do you make them care well you start out by offering them something typically in the form of entertainment how can we craft a message whether it's on radio whether it's on tv whether it's ott whatever format it is how do you create marketing that is entertaining enough that someone will voluntarily give their attention away from the kids yelling in the backseat or thinking about the stressful meeting they have come up and will voluntarily give you their attention? And then how can you leave them feeling good about who you genuinely are? That's the secret sauce. Now, I am not a writer. We have over 50 writers on our team of partners. And so I wouldn't get into the weeds as far as like how to craft masterful copy. Because for every business owner I work with, I have someone who has studied how to connect with people via the written word, how to write ads in a compelling yet engaging way. And so that's really their cup of tea, but it's of vital importance because you flip on the TV, you flip on the radio, you flip on, nobody cares about any of the marketing that people are doing because it's all about the business. Again, nobody cares about your business until you have gotten their attention and they have grown some level of affinity for you. So start with entertainment, start with connection and help them understand how, what you offer is going to serve their purposes in a non-direct way. My next question with that is, um, we talk about digital a lot. What is traditional marketing anymore? I mean, what is that? It seems like that's a lost, it's almost like a dinosaur of sort. So, which honestly can be good things that come back because there's a certain generation that understands that or appreciates that. So how do you define traditional marketing? So, It's really, I feel like, morphed terms, if you will. Oftentimes, people evaluate based on online marketing versus offline marketing. Offline, even though it's in a digital-type format and that it comes over the radio waves, it's in the same category as, you know, billboards and people in gorilla suits flipping signs. Like, all of that would fall under offline or traditional marketing, whereas anything that is online, the World Wide Web would be considered digital. Mm-hmm. Now, digital, the reason digital has taken off so much is one, we have a significant amount of transactional products 
as well as transactional based companies, which means people just impulse buy things. There's not a whole lot of thought that goes into it. And so they just make purchases. That's part of how Amazon has blown up so much because if people don't have an emotional connection to whatever kind of a competitor that Amazon has, then they're just going to go with Amazon because the convenience beats it out. And so one challenge arises when mar when marketing people or when business owners believe all of the marketing that I need is in an online format. And it's like, okay, what are you doing for marketing? And what you'll find is they're capturing people at the very last minute, right before they, they're going to type in, hey, luxury sofa, and then a color, right? And then they're going to look at, you know, the Google shopping tab. But by that point, in order to capture that lead away from wherever Google wants to send it, which Google will charge a premium, you're going to have to pay a premium to get your, to capture those AdWords. And it's going to be the highest price per customer price per transaction you can possibly imagine because people are so obsessed with capturing leads at the last minute because they love the direct cause and effect. It's like a slot machine. Well, oftentimes when it comes to digital, especially with uh, Google ads, we'll refer to it as, you know, paper crack instead of paper click because mm -hmm. there's such an addictive tendency like pulling a slot machine where it's like, okay, if I put 150 bucks, how much can I get back out? I'm not saying don't do Google ads, but the goal of traditional media, mass media, top of funnel marketing, however you want to position it, is to get people instead of typing in luxury sofa, red, instead you want them to go to you first. For example, Veterans Plumbing, it's a local company. When we first moved out here, we knew we had zero contacts. And so I went on Yelp, connected with a bunch of folks about some plumbing needs that we had and found veterans plumbing via Yelp. I have never in the last two years looked up another plumber in the Valley again. Why? Because they built brand connection with me, which means no longer are they giving money to Yelp for my click or for my inquiry. And it's the same thing, whether it's that, whether it's local service ads, regardless of what it is, you're paying a premium to capture them at the last second. Whereas if we can build a relationship with a potential customer before they need what you offer, you'll become the person, the business that they think of first and think of best when they're ready to purchase. And you won't have to pay the high transaction fee that is Google, that is digital. Again, I'm not saying don't do digital. I'm saying use digital to capture a portion of the leads, but work with the non-digital stuff to try to get your uh, cost per conversion down as much as possible. Thereby, you can run the most efficient and effective lean marketing budget that you possibly can. Well, I mean, everybody's so entrenched in their phones, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's where the majority of people are seeing advertisements for things. And, you know, we're, we're, we've kind of moved into almost kind of a, a trustless society because there's yep. just so many ways to manipulate. Even it's the true. reviews, there's a way to manipulate where there's some company says, 
I'll pay, you know, 45 people to give me five star reviews. Yep. And, and then, you know, the way you purchase products more than anything is that you're looking at the customer reviews and whether it's five star or not. And mm-hmm. then you go look at the reviews and you read the reviews and some of them you can tell are canned or not. Mm-hmm. So it's just how, how do people trust marketing uh, anymore too? If, if you're the purchaser or the buyer out there. And that's why it's all about building a relationship. Like that's the problem so many companies make with social media is they decide, you know what, we're going to invest in social media because like you said, people are on their phone all the time, like four hours a day, which is mind boggling. So let's invest on social media. Let's advertise on social media. The problem is it's in the term social media people go to because of the social component. People follow businesses because they want to feel like they're part of a tribe. They want to connect with a business. Now, when businesses create a social media profile and they their social media profile is littered with products or littered with promotions, you're going to lose followers very quickly. And you're certainly not going to gain any because that's not why people go on social media. People go on social media to connect with people because they want to feel things. And so... That is one way. It's a long-term play, just like any form of brand building marketing is. Social media can be a really strong option for people who want to capture those who are glued to their phone, spend a lot of time on social media, but it cannot be primarily about transacting. It can't be about deals, sales, products, etc. It has to be about who is the business on a personalized level. Showing behind the scenes, what is it like in the warehouse, connecting with personalities, helping people to contextualize how they are similar to the customer. Like people buy from people and the more we can personalize the businesses, the more relationship and therefore the more trust is going to happen. And part of that also comes from adding a level of vulnerability into it. If someone is not willing to be vulnerable, we have it all together. Yeah, why would you trust them? They're not leading with vulnerability, which is a prerequisite to have any meaningfully deep relationship. So today's buyer is maybe one of two things. Impulsive, Mm -hmm. um, which is then cheap, potentially, or relational. And trying to touch base with each one of them, can you just kind of give us an example of one of your clients you've worked with. Obviously don't name your client, mm-hmm. but just give us an example of someone called you and their, their problem was what, and your solution was what? Well, I want to go back real quick to your right from a transactional versus a relational customer standpoint, your spot on the people approach a business or a potential purchase coming from a different mindset. However, that can change incredibly rapidly. I know a lot of people, for example, will, that not only changes on an individual level, but also based on the purchase. So for example, one of our clients, uh, big time executive, private jet, lives in Austin, and he was going with his family, uh, flying with his family on his private jet for the weekend up to Vail, Colorado for a skiing retreat. His wife comes in with the groceries and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you bringing in groceries? We're going up to Vail. 
Her response is, yeah, but have you seen the price of groceries in Vail? And that's just startling to me. Like this family who they're also obviously consumers, as we all are, they're willing to spend hundreds of thousands on, you know, the fuel and everything that goes into flying your own private jet, not to mention the cost of the jet itself. And yet you're worried about, say, 150% markup on groceries for a weekend. And so one mistake that we oftentimes have is thinking that really wealthy people are relational and really unwealthy people are very, it's like, no, they're stingy people. And there are people who will pay full price for things on both ends of the spectrum, right? It's fascinating. Again, the psychology degree, like (laughs) it's fascinating to me, understanding how people operate and how products or services can connect to people's innermost needs. Well, it's the principle of it. I mean, that was the big piece that I heard there. Yeah. Is that why should I when I can do this? But then I can spend on this extra stuff if that's what I have. Yeah. So, And we all have those and things. And that's the emotional side that you're touching base on. Yeah. So, um, Is there a difference between branding and marketing? Like what is branding and how does that relate to marketing? What kind of – because we just didn't touch on that, but I mm-hmm. want to try to do that. It's a funny question because you're asking a difference in terms. You're asking the denotation of brand and the denotation of marketing. So at the top of the podcast, we talked about what is marketing. It's not just a department. Like uh, Packard from Hewlett Packard said, marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department. And what I'm proposing is it's everything that relates to a customer's interaction with your brand or a potential customer. Now, brand, if we look back at the origin of branding, what was it? It was stamping onto a cow, typically, that this cow belongs to you. Now, we see the same kind of thing, you know, if you're buying food at the grocery store, even if it's produce. Everything has a batch number. Everything has a brand from what farm it came from, in large part because they want to be able to track down if there's a outbreak of whatever kind of disease right. stemming from the food, right? That's how it started was ascribing a product to an owner. Then people began to realize, okay, well, if these cattle all have a really funny taste to it, I think they're eating something bad in that field, all of a sudden you have an emotion that's tied to it or an implication tied to that brand. And so very quickly it changed from it's simply a mark of ownership to this is something that can actually be leveraged. Now, a lot of business owners don't understand either the importance of understanding and building your brand, or they don't understand how to do it because it takes time. Just like any relationship, you typically wouldn't approach a woman and just propose on the first date or the second date or the third date. It takes time to develop a level of trust, familiarity, and it's the same thing with developing a brand. That's the difference between transactional versus brand building. So with brand, it's all about playing the long game, incremental growth over time with compounding interest, whereas transactional sales, for example, posting on Google ads, you can hope that they'll return as a customer, 
but there's not going to be per se incremental growth over time. And it's also going to be significantly more expensive than the brand building route. So typically we'll recommend our clients if, the, if we're weaning them off of a marketing budget that's 100% going to Google to kind of block, block every digital form of advertising into one word, we'll typically wean them onto a good, good healthy diet of brand building in addition. So with the ultimate goal of getting somewhere in the range of 60% of the marketing budget going toward brand building, which again is going to give you compounding interest and drive your cost per conversion down substantially. And then 40%, yes, we'll leave in the transactional bucket of capturing leads when they're in the moment ready to go. Okay. And there's a number of variables, but that's generally speaking okay. where our target is. And this is going to kind of lead to my last piece, which, you know, the favorite thing today is AI. Mm-hmm. And we love to use AI for many things. And honestly, I've, I've started exploring with it too. It's pretty mm-hmm. amazing uh, what it kicks back to you when you ask the questions. So then tell me, why would I want to hire someone like you if I feel like AI can accomplish the same thing for me? So just distinguish yourself mm-hmm. between people's belief in AI yep. and actually a difference between what real people do. AI is fascinating. And it has its time and places, just like with Google. It's imperative that we understand where those times and places are. And so that's part of why I'm thankful that we started out by talking about strategy, tactics, and tasks. Because right now, those tasks that are largely intern level assignments, with a little massaging, AI can do those tasks. Now, strategy requires a deep understanding of who the business owner is, who the executives are, the direction of the business, making calculated recommendations based on green space, based on population, based on current competition in given markets. There are a number of different facets, all of which the math is going to change based on the previously established brand, customer base, etc. So there's way too many computations that go into it, as well as, as we've talked about a significant amount today, an emotional connection. So we focus on the strategy at our firm. We'll sometimes consult on the tactics. We will never touch the tasks. AI is phenomenal at helping you at least get a blog started, getting a social media post started, and you can just kind of massage it into shape. AI really struggles with even the tactics level. It can give you interesting insights, but it's not great at contextualizing it for a given business. So that's where AI fits now. I'm by no means opposed to it. I think it's absolutely fascinating. But I think if we understand the importance of marketing, and if I may, every business is a marketing business. Jewelry businesses are not jewelry businesses. They are marketing businesses who sell jewelry. And the reason I put that imperative in there is if you are not effective at marketing whatever it is that you're selling, you're going under. Your operations, your culture, none of that matters because you're going under. Whereas if you excel at marketing strategy and crushing it with a product or service that you currently have, all of a sudden you can invest upstream or downstream. 
you can acquire additional businesses, you can create a sister company, you can do an infinite number of things, including innovating, because you have customers who are paying full price because you're really good at marketing. So every business, first and foremost, is a marketing business, and it's imperative that we understand that. I, more than most, hate seeing business owners' hearts poured into their business, the blood, sweat, and tears, only to end up in a pile of rubble. Mm -hmm. That's why I get so fired up about this topic. (laughs) Well, trust and reliability. I mean, right? That's what everybody wants. Um, Is there anything else before we wrap this up that you would like to discuss that I haven't really hit on? Or is there a message out there that you want to tell people? And then lastly, uh, what type of business should look you up? We are not limited based on industries. We're not limited based on types of marketing. Our focus is first and foremost on working with business owners of integrity and courage who we have the confidence that they their operations can support growing typically around 4x over three years. I personally have worked in a, with businesses in a number of industries. We have 75 partners who represent under other industries from deep sea drilling equipment to restaurants to e-commerce, et cetera. Every business size, we work with small mom and pop shops up to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. So that's the main thing that we look for is, do we want to work with business owners that we believe have what it takes to be a big business and that we want to see succeed? And then lastly, uh, how can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn as well as my website is mattcwillis.com. Perfect. And then we'll make sure that we post that for you as well. So Matt, thank you for your time. Thank you for the information. And that's just a whole different level of branding and marketing in a world that uh, has bright colors everywhere. And to help people kind of dive in and focus in on a specific product or service that your clients can offer is a great service that you offer. So thank you very much. Appreciate you, my friend, and the opportunity you've given. Yeah, good deal. And so uh, we'll wrap it up, but I can't uh, wrap it up without thanking Associated Insurance Services for sponsoring this podcast. And you can reach them at associatedins.com. And again, this is Kyle Woods with Through the Woods. (laughs) 